Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. We're going to be in Luke 3, and then we're going to also dabble into Luke 4. But starting in uh, chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then in Luke 4, uh, starting in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray before you are seated. Lord, thank you so much that you brought all of us here together today to hear this message. Lord, I believe it's by divine appointment for so many of us to receive what you have for us today. God, I'm praying again by the power of your spirit who is alive and at work in our lives and in this place right now that you would reveal yourself to us, reveal Uh, who you are, and and reveal to us who we are. Our identity, Lord, that is found in you and nowhere else. Lord, I pray for those who have never experienced a a revelation or a revealing of their true identity. Lord, I pray that that would take place today. From you, they would know that it's found in you, Lord. Lord, would you use your word today? Lord, would you use... My words, as imperfect as they are, would you use them, Lord, to to bring life, encouragement, movement, growth, to stir up faith, to stir up hunger, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, would you do that, Lord? And Lord, would you help the Seahawks? Lord, I pray that you would keep Russell Wilson and the Seahawks together. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You may be seated. I'm not going to pray about the game today because that's, I don't know if there's much hope for that, but. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, there's this life principle that I like to come back to every once in a while. It's, It's this. What I feed on is what I hunger for. And it's so true in so many areas of our life. It makes sense physically, practically, like when we think about food. The types of food that I long for are the types of food that I'm used to eating. And so what I feed on is what I hunger for. And there's a reason that you don't go to certain types of food is because you don't want it. And we all have those types of food, right? Like that's disgusting, that's gross. Let's be real. Some of us don't eat healthy because it, it tastes disgusting, but what I've learned is actually if you feed on that long enough, you actually will start hungering for that which you feed on. And so the truth is we find ourselves in habits and patterns and routines in life, and we want to continue to do those because we're used to them because that's what we've already, already been feeding ourselves because what we feed on is what we hunger for more of. And so this applies not just into food but into every area of our life. Why don't we pray and seek God more and spend more time with him, let's be real. We don't want to. And my job here today is to lovingly just kind of encourage you, to push you, and point you closer to Jesus, okay? So I hope you hear my heart in this. But we, um, we find ourselves in this place where we lack a hunger for God. And it's because we've been feeding ourselves everything but him. And sometimes we, he, you know, Jesus is a little supplement into our life, and so we, we can experience him and his goodness, his love, his presence in certain moments of the week, especially like when we gather in a moment like this, we can experience him. Uh, but if we, we receive him in just little doses, it's not enough. And my prayer is that our hunger would grow, our hunger for him grow more and more and more. I, I, I sense that there's a shift. Man, if you were here last week, there's a, there's a shift in the spiritual atmosphere that's taking place in so many people's lives, that's taking place in this church, that's going to have a profound impact in us. I, I believe it. I see it. I sense it. I, I love it. If you missed last week's message, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to it because I felt like that was a very important word. It's a prophetic word for our church for our congregation, for for you to receive for yourself. God wants to release a new prayer in your life in this season of prayer. And it's not going to be just a a season where, okay, i got to do something I know I'm supposed to do. i got to pray. Because if I'm going to be a Christian and follow Jesus, then i got to read my Bible and i got to pray because that's what a good Christian does, you know. And and we can find ourselves thinking things like that. I, I pray that this isn't just a season where we... We, we lean into that and we have, you know, good times of prayer and, and good times of reading the word. But I pray that it's, it's great and it's extraordinary. I, I, I'm, I'm praying that you don't have just ordinary times of prayer and ordinary times of reading the word. But it's extraordinary because of what God does in your life, that you're going to meet with him. And he's going to take that ordinary thing we do and it's going to be extraordinary. And I'm just praying that extraordinary prayer is going to be released in your life extraordinary prayer. And so what I'm going to talk to us about today is, uh, is about just us assessing our hunger and maybe our spiritual appetite, if we will, but also speak to it from this angle of 
Extraordinary prayer flows from intimacy and identity. Extraordinary prayer flows from intimacy and identity. And I love talking about uh, identity. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about because it is so important and foundational for us. But what I've learned is it's also one of the most difficult topics to talk about because I can't ever preach or teach identity into anybody. It really comes from God. You've got to receive revelation from him on who you are. And so I pray that that happens today uh, by, by God. It, it can't come from me. It has to come from him. But I, I believe this is an important message for us today, guys. Extraordinary prayer. And that's what I want you to have in your life. Extraordinary prayer. It comes from, it flows from identity and intimacy. And so as we lean into this season of fasting and praying, I, I, I pray this takes place in your life. So tomorrow, did you catch that? Tomorrow begins a 21-day fast. Some people have already started it, uh, but tomorrow is when we officially want to do it, and just would love to invite you all to do it together. Let's do this together for the next 21 days. We're going to fast. We're going to seek God. Let me encourage you not just to approach this fast and say, okay, what can I just give up for 21 days, but let's approach this fast with this mindset of how, how close can I get to God? And I'm going to let go of some things so that I can get closer to him so that I can become uh, more intimate in my relationship with him. That's my prayer for, for all of us. And so I, I'm just praying that this next 21 days becomes a significant three weeks for you as you seek God and you grow in intimacy with him. I want to go to James. There's just a few words from James that were just stirring in my heart. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse, verse 5, says this. Or, do you not think, Scripture says without reason, that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? Have you read that before? Have you ever thought about what on earth is James talking about? Now, I love James because James just goes straight to it. He pulls no punches, doesn't hold anything back. Sometimes you read through James, you're like, whoa. Like, really, is that really what you want us to say? Like, okay, okay. And so you read through James, and you kind of get this impression like he means business. Like, he's pretty serious about following Jesus. Like, it, it matters, and how we live matters. And so he says that. The spirit that God placed inside of us, his spirit envies intensely. Some scriptures or some translations say uh, uh, jealously yearns or, or, or longs for us. You realize that there's a longing that God has to be close to you. The Spirit of God jealously longs for you and for more of you in his life. Do you know that? And this isn't like a insecure, immature jealousy. That's not how God is. This is a holy, pure jealousy Envy that God just, he, he's like, I, I, I've given you life. I've given you uh, every, I've given my life so that you can have life. I've given you everything and I just want all of you. There's this longing that he has to be close to you, to be intimate with you. There's this jealousy that the spirit of God has to just fill you so completely. 
And sometimes it stops right there, unfortunately, because we don't have a hunger to approach him, to, to be close to him, to be intimate with him. That's why I pray, God, stir up a hunger. Stir up a hunger within us. God has a hunger. He's got a, a longing, a yearning to be close to you. But he gives us grace, more grace. We're always thankful for that. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we walk in humility. And then verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we literally saw that played out as Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the desert, as he's submitting himself to God, as he is saying, no, no, that's not how I've been called to live. That's not how we've been called to live. I'm going to live according to the word of God. Devil, it is written. And so he's submitting himself to God, and through that, he is throwing the word, truth, the sword of the spirit is what the word is, at the devil, and he is resisting him through that. And so the Bible promises this. We submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It's a promise from the word of God. He will flee. Now, did you notice that the devil, it says the devil left until an opportune time? Because that's the way he is. He's coming back again. He's going to hit you with more temptation, and it's going to come at a time that you don't want him to. An opportune time, because he is pretty sneaky in how he does it. No dummy. He's going to wait till you're discouraged, till you're tired and exhausted, till you feel lonely, till you feel like nobody cares, and then he's coming at you again in an opportune time. And again, in that moment, we got to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So then verse 8 says this, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Oh, what a promise, guys. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. The rest of verse 8 goes on to say, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay, this is James, okay, saying just straight up. Hey, this, it is what it is, guys. There's these guys that in the pandemic made this t-shirt very popular, they do out these hilarious videos. That they're called Cool Carl. And they made these t-shirts for the pandemic that, that have the picture of praying hands on there. And it has this James scripture. Wash your hands, you sinners. Be, I, I've almost bought it several times. but <laughs> Actually, I did. I tried to buy it. It was sold out. Wash your hands, you sinners. You know, James 4, 8. Or 4, 8. <laughs> uh, but it was perfect for pandemic, right? Because we got to wash our hands and all that kind of stuff. And we're, you know, still dealing with that. Uh, but come near to God and he will come near to you. That's what I want to encourage us with here today. That's what I want to encourage us with in the coming weeks. As we really start off this year, this new year, and enter the season of just focusing on prayer and, and seeking God and fasting, we are drawing near to God. We're coming near to God. And he promises that he will come near to us. And I love that James says that because James was literally the brother of Jesus. Like he grew up in the same house. Jesus was his big brother. Imagine following that act. And so James didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah until James saw him rise from the dead. And so once he saw him, like he died on a cross. That was like public. Like it happened very publicly. That's why he died publicly, so that everybody would know. It was a very real thing, very public thing. All of Jerusalem and the whole area knew. James knew that his brother died. Then he saw him rise from the dead, so he's like, whoa, okay, now I believe. 
something shifted inside of James and he believed. And so now he's saying, here's what I've experienced. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It's a promise from the word of God. And so this is the season, guys, where we're drawing near. We're coming near to God and he is coming near to us. Think about this. Did Jesus rise from the dead after dying on the cross? just so a few special leaders in the church could approach him and and talk with him and pray and hear from him? No, this is a calling for everybody. Whoever comes near to God, he will come near to you. This is a promise for everybody, not just for the special few, not just super Christians, not just people who seem to have their life all together spiritually. This is for all of us. And so I pray that we would all draw near to God. We'd all come near to him in this season. And we have that prayer card. Uh, I, I had it on the table here earlier. It's, it's gone, but you got that prayer card. Everyone's got that prayer card. Hopefully online, you've, you've received that. There's a lot of things going on here and some things we haven't even talked about much yet. But let me, let me tell you about two things that aren't on the prayer card. Every week we have a prayer meeting right here, seven o'clock on Tuesday nights. Everyone's welcome. If you want to on Tuesday nights, so you want to come and you want to come near to God, uh, on Tuesday nights, come every Sunday morning at 8.15 right here. We pray. You want to come early and join us for prayer and be here? We, we just invite you to be a part of those prayer things. Those are always going on. And so I just want to throw those out there in case you want to be a part of those. So in this story, we saw Jesus get baptized in water, right? The text that Andrew read at the beginning. Jesus was baptized in water. Then what's the first thing that he did? The first thing that Jesus did after that is he went and he prayed and he fasted, which just shows us the importance of prayer and fasting. Before Jesus went and proclaimed who he was, before he went public with his ministry, before he was preaching and healing the sick, casting out demons, before any of that, Jesus went into a season of prayer and fasting. She shows us the importance of prayer and fasting. But also think about this. Like, Jesus was the God-man. Like, did he even really need to pray and fast? Like, he was Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. So he probably didn't even really need to. He just, just probably just kind of did it just so that it would be a good example. But I, I think that's not completely accurate because Jesus was fully man as he was fully God. And so he went into a season of prayer and fasting, and and it just shows us that if Jesus needed to pray and fast, Lord knows you and I definitely need to pray and fast. And so this is how he started his ministry, but it's an example to us that we must fast as well. This has got to be a part of our life. So what does it mean to fast? I just say this, just to simply put it, this is what it means to fast, to abstain from something in order to grow closer to God. And to ask him to move in my life or maybe somebody else's life, some, a situation in, in, that I know about. That's what it means to fast. Typically, biblically, it refers to food. I think it's okay to let go of other things in your life that are getting, rid of, or getting uh, in front of God. And oftentimes, we like to fast media because we need to. Because it just creates more space for us to seek God and spend time with him. But that's what it means to fast. Essentially, I'm letting go of something so I can get more of God. That's what I'm doing. That's why we want to fast. And so when we fast, we're not doing it just to get something from God, though. We're not doing it because we want to twist his arm. 
Like I prayed about this, some other people prayed about this, but like, okay, God, I'm just going to twist your arm and, and this. I'm going to really fast to show you that I'm serious. And we feel like sometimes, we may not admit it, but sometimes we feel like we, if, we, if we just fast, then we can earn it. Because then God will really know I'm serious. Then he'll love me a little bit more. Maybe he'll hear my prayers. I, I, we feel like we're twisting his arm a little bit. And God's not thinking, well, I wasn't going to answer your prayer. Well, I wasn't going to bless you. But since you're fasting, okay, I guess. Okay, so the, the main purpose of fasting is for you and I to get closer to him, to get more of him in our life. But it is okay to call out to God for specific things, to pray and fast for specific things. This is the focus of our fast. We're focusing on two things. Now, you may have some, some things that you want to pray for in your life. Go for it. Maybe you're fasting for some specific things in your, your family. I think that's awesome. But collectively, let's agree on these two things. Let's pray and let's fast for an outpouring of God's spirit and people to receive God's salvation. An outpouring of God's spirit. Let's, let's agree on this together. And people to receive God's salvation. And let's lean into this season. You know, as we talk about prayer and fasting, it's, prayer is one of those interesting topics because if I were to preach on prayer and then say, hey, everyone, come down to the front. Let's have an altar call. And if you haven't been praying enough in your life, then come on down to the front. We'd all be like, uh, shoot. Like, uh, it's kind of one of those topics where we can tend to feel like, I, do I ever pray enough? You know, we can kind of feel guilty. But I, I just pray that there'd be a stirring, a longing, a hunger in your heart just to pray more than you've ever prayed, whatever that looks like for you. But I've learned is that a lot of believers struggle to pray because they don't know who they're talking to. They, what I mean by that is they don't really know him. There's not a relationship. There's not an intimacy there. When you know somebody, it's easy to talk to them. Super easy. And so if, if prayer is difficult for you, maybe that's a big issue. It's like, I don't really know him. I don't know God. And that's why I'm praying that you will not just grow in intimacy, but also in your identity and understanding who you are. So, and that comes from knowing who he is. Okay, so extraordinary prayer flows from intimacy and identity. And so the big part of identity is, is, first of all, knowing God and who he is. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but let me ask this question, because some people will pose this at times, like, do we really have to fast? Is this like a biblical thing that we're supposed to do? Does God command it? And the truth is, you don't see God commanding fasting in Scripture, we aren't commanded to do it like we're commanded to love one another and we're commanded to live holy lives. We're commanded to be generous in our, with our life and even our finances and, and tithing. We're commanded to avoid sexual immorality. There's lots of things we're commanded to do, but not specifically fasting. So some people will say, so it's not really necessary then, right? And sometimes we ask that, we wonder that, we think that because we think, I don't really want to give up what I'm thinking about giving up. Like, the thought of giving up coffee for 21 days, it does not sound fun. And we don't go into fast because it's fun. Um, it can be, but it's, that's not why we do it. And some of you might say, you don't want to see me without coffee for 21 days. You don't want to see me without coffee for one day. But we are letting go of things because we want more of God. And sometimes we want more of those things. We hunger for those things more than we hunger for God. So that's why this is a good thing for us to do. And I believe that uh, fasting should be a regular part of our life for these two reasons. Number one, we follow Jesus' example. He did it. 
And number two, Jesus actually assumes that we will fast. Did you know that? Okay, so look at this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus says this. When you fast. There it is, right there. So he doesn't say, you must, but he does say, when you do. So there's an assumption there, right? Like, we're all going to do this. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And that can be one of those things that can kind of cause you to chuckle a little bit, but also maybe can be a little convicting too sometimes. But Jesus is calling out the religious leaders and the hypocrites. When they were fasting, everybody knew it. Apparently, they would disfigure their faces, and they would just like walk around just like looking miserable, because when you fast, you got to look miserable, because it's this miserable, holy spiritual experience. And when you look miserable, people look at you and say, wow, they're spiritual. Apparently, there's something, some of that going on, because they would purposely disfigure their faces and walk around, and it's like, oh, you know, and that's a part of being spiritual, I guess, because being spiritual is miserable. But Jesus is saying they've received their reward. People are looking at them, and they've impressed people. And we don't want to live to impress people. We don't fast to impress people. That's not what this is about. We, we, we fast to get more of God, to get closer to him. That's why we do it. So Jesus is calling out the hypocrites. And some of us, maybe sometimes we feel like, well, I don't do that, but sometimes I want to fast. I had several conversations like this the last couple of weeks. I find myself wanting to fast food and to do intermittent fasting because I just need to lose weight. And so I, I love this fasting idea because like now I can lose some weight and then they feel guilty. You know, we have the, that tension right there sometimes. Isn't that funny, though, how God designed fasting food to be a good thing for our body? It's awesome. Like something spiritually can happen in our life, but physically it's actually good for us, too. That's fascinating that God would do that. So... Let me encourage you to not do it because of that, but no, that, is, that can be a fringe benefit of that. And it can be a great reason to regularly have fasting as a part of your life because it actually can help you be physically stronger and healthier. That's kind of cool that God designed it that way. This is why a lot of people who care nothing about God will do intermittent fasting because it's just healthy for them. And so they're just starving themselves. And so we're not starving ourselves. We're actually filling ourselves with God. That's what we're doing. That's what we want to do as we fast. And so Jesus, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, but when you fast, again, there's that assumption, right? When you do this, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hey, hey remember this, guys. God is not opposed to rewarding you. He's a God of rewards. He has got the greatest rewards you could ever, ever, ever experience and receive called eternity. It's far beyond anything we could ever comprehend or fathom or understand. God is about reward, but the greatest reward you and I will receive is more of him. That is the greatest reward you will get. And if we're not hungry and desiring more of him, then that's why I was calling us to Assess our appetite because he is the greatest reward of our life. 
And so some people read that passage and say, okay, Tyrone, so we can't, why are we doing this all together? Everyone's going to know we're fasting. Jesus says do it in secret. Nobody's supposed to know. Okay, so yes, I agree with that. But also you see many times in scripture, God's people come together. There's corporate prayer and fasting. Hey, come on, let's, let's do this together. Let's call out to God together. And that's what we're doing. Okay, we're corporate prayer and fasting. But also, I, obviously, Jesus, I agree with Jesus because I should, and we all should agree with Jesus. Like, yeah, that's true. And, and so we want to incorporate this in part of our life. There's going to be times that you are fasting and no one will know. And we got to avoid that temptation of being like the hypocrites who let everybody know, you know, like, hey, do you want, do you, do you want some, some food? Do you want this cookie? I made some cookies. You want this cookie? And you're like, no, I'm fasting. And so sometimes people can say that, not, never any of us, obviously, but other people can say that because it just feels good to be super spiritual in that moment, right? And now I let everybody know, I'm fasting. I can't do that. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so Jesus assumes we will fast, and uh, pray. he actually assumes we're going to pray, too. Because right before that, he says, when you pray. When you pray, this is how you pray. So when you pray. So let's go back to this passage in Luke chapter 4 that we looked at at the beginning, and let's read just a few verses and look at this. Okay, so Jesus is going into the desert, the wilderness, which there's always going to be times and seasons where you and I end up in the wilderness. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes God led us there or allowed that to happen in our life because he knows what can come of it. Don't despise the desert. God wants to use it for you, for your good. So look at this. Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Okay, so he returned from the Jordan area, the Jordan River, where he was just baptized, and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Jesus, right here, was full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. This is so important for you and I to catch in our Christian life. As followers of Jesus, we're called to live like him. That's our mission right here at Rivers Church, is we want to love people Live like Jesus and then lead others to him. Okay, so this is a big part of what we want to encourage you to do is live like Jesus. Jesus lived life full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. And I pray that that would describe your everyday life. You are full of the Spirit, and you are led by the Spirit. Tomorrow, as you wake up, just say, Holy Spirit, fill me again today. Fill me up today. Lead me in everything that I do today. This is the calling of our life, to be full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And so then it says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. That's a prayer I love to pray, or a scripture I love to quote and pray often when I'm fasting. And when I'm longing for that food. Man does not live on bread alone. God, I need you right now. Would you fill me right now? Man does not live on bread alone. You see, Jesus was hungry. And sometimes when we're fasting, we get to that place, right? You ever, like, you just like, it's so, I'm so, so hungry. And you, like, maybe you're like me. And you despise McDonald's. But you drive by McDonald's and you smell even McDonald's. You're like, I just want to pull into that right now. I just want a Big Mac. I haven't had a Big Mac since, I think, last century in the 90s. But 
Well, that sure sounds good, right? You know how it goes, you know, because when you're hungry, it's like you don't want to go shopping when you're hungry, right? It's bad. <laughs> you get to buy things you shouldn't, and sometimes you end up going to the deli or the, or the bakery and just eating while you, while, you, while you shop. Anybody else do that? Okay, so uh, don't go to Winco when you're hungry because those salt and vinegar wings are just calling your name. They're good, believe me. Trust me on that. All right, so Jesus was hungry, but he was full. He was hungry, but he was full. You and I can be hungry, but we can still be full. That's what I'm saying. We want to be full of God, full of the Spirit. And then I, I, it helps me to rely on him, to look to him, to lean on him. As I let go of this fleshly desire and say no to something that I, I do need, because Jesus says we do need food, we need bread, but I don't need just that to live. I also need something just as important. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. This book right here, and God's words speaking to me, uh, when he speaks fresh revelation to you, that will strengthen you and sustain you, and you need that just as much as you need food. Because man does not live on bread alone, but we also need every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, did you notice that the devil, as he tempted Jesus, he went straight for the jugular and he attacked his identity. This is why it's important for us to understand who we are, our identity. Jesus is coming out of this baptism moment where God the Father had spoken these words to him as God the Son. You are my son. I love you. I am pleased with you. It's no coincidence that God the Father spoke those words over him because Jesus needed to hear that as he went to the season of temptation and the season of the desert. Because now instantly, the devil starts attacking Jesus' identity. Did you catch that? Verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, like, are you really? Are you sure? And then he's, he's really tempting him. To, he's getting him to question his identity, but then to prove it. Then do this if you are. Are you really, though? And then verse 9, he says it too. If you are the Son of God. And so he is attacking his identity. Our identity must be secure in God if we're going to be strong. We must have a strong identity, just like Jesus did. And so you look at Jesus. He was tempted in three areas. Three areas that you and I fall prey to often. He was tempted in performance, in popularity, and power. Those are the three temptations. Tempted to perform, to be popular, and power. And so that really attacks these identity issues that we struggle with. And there's some false identity beliefs that many of us fall prey to. I myself have fall prey to, and I've got to continue to, to crucify, crucify number one, which is I am what I do. This is a false identity. I am what I do. Number two is I am what I have. And number three is I am who others think that I am. Those are identities that we slip into. And we think that I am somebody if I have lots of stuff. I am somebody if I do certain things, I'm successful. And we base it all on performance. I am somebody based upon what other people think about me. Those are false identities that we can fall prey to and... They lead us to discouragement, to bondage, and ultimately to destruction. So this is why I'm saying extraordinary prayer flows from intimacy and identity. 
Because we gotta know who we are. There's important two things, two things we gotta know in life. We gotta know God, and we gotta know ourselves. Those two things. Two things you must know. You may not know a lot about lots of other things, but let me encourage you to at least know those two things. Know God and know yourself. To know God is to be in relationship with him. This is you and I coming near to him, drawing near to him. He's coming near to us. We're growing in a relationship with him. It is intimacy. I know who he is. I know who I'm talking to. I am close to him. I hear from him. I, have, I am learning to hear his voice. It's relationship. I know who he is. And then out of that, I can know who I am. I know myself. I know my identity. Because wrong views of God and wrong views of myself are what are destroying many of us. And they hinder our prayers. And they, they keep us from praying, too. And they keep us from being close to him. So this is why I often say the two most important questions that I love to ask people in life are, do you know who he is and do you know who you are? Do you know who he is? Do you know who you are? Jesus knew who his father was. And out of that, he knew who he was. See, the truth is we cannot know who we are until we know who he is. And he is the one who gives us identity. And this is what God the Father did to Jesus. He spoke identity over him. This is who you are. And and so again, it makes sense, but it has to come through him, not through my words, but you've got to receive this from God. It must be through revelation. A lot of people today will say, I got to go find myself. I gotta go find myself. And, that, and I, actually, that can be a good thing, actually. Like, and we say you know, they're, they're, they're just finding themselves, they're trying to find themselves. And it's, it's actually a very important journey to go on. Uh, I, unfortunately, many people land in, in, in false identity places. Like, okay, now, now this is who I am, or this is who I am. You know, I'm finding myself. And, and we live in a world that wants to put our identity in things that we really, really aren't. It's kind of scary. So I I love to encourage people to go find yourself, but I say, look to God first. Look to him, because we can't find our identity outside of God. Knowing our identity through knowing God changes how we live, and it changes how we pray. Luke 3, 22, there's the words. God speaks this to Jesus. You are my son, whom I love. I'm pleased with you. Jesus knew his father, but this came through a word spoken from God the Father. It was audible. It came through revelation right there. Revelation. Ephesians, Paul prays this prayer that I want to pray over you. John Mark, I'll invite you up here now. Paul prays this prayer for his friends in Ephesus. I want to pray this over us. And I I come back to this scripture often because this is one of my life prayers for myself and for, for us. Verse 17, Ephesians 1, I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray this over us, a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation so that you may know him better. And goes on to pray and say, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Man, that you would know him, know him better, and know who you are, and know what you have inherited from him because of who you are. You have an inheritance. Did you know that? You have an incredible inheritance full of so many promises. And that comes from who you are, finding your identity in God.
That's why I love this verse. Look at this, Luke 12. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you His kingdom with all of its promises. It's yours. That's your inheritance. His kingdom with all of its promises. That is yours every single day. As a follower of Jesus, a believer in Him, you have that. His kingdom with all of His promises. There's two people uh, in my life that uh, constantly come to my house. And when they arrive, they never knock or ring the doorbell. They just walk right in. They help themselves in. And oftentimes, one of the first things they'll do is they'll go straight to my fridge and my cupboard, and they'll start eating my food. Again, not with, without even asking. And then they'll go to these rooms that they call theirs, and they'll spend hours in those rooms without even asking, without even communication, because it's their room. And some of you might guess, I'm talking about my children. They have never ever once helped with the grocery bill. They have never helped me pay the utilities or pay the mortgage. <laughs> Yet they have no problems accessing all the resources in the house. And the reason is because they know what is mine is theirs. They know who they are and they know what's theirs. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you have inherited? Do you know what you have received from him? Can I read this again? Don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom with all of its promises. When you understand this and you understand who you are and your identity in him, you know the resources that you have access to. And you know what is at the end of your prayers. Huh. I love what John said this, 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And you can have confidence in that, guys. He hears you. He hears you. You ask according to his will. You and I get better and better asking according to his will the more we get to know him. He hears you. Sometimes we think, do my prayers really matter? Does God really hear me? And we can feel that and struggle with that, but you look at scripture and it's yes, yes, amen, and yes. God calls you and I to pray. He calls you and I to ask, to seek, to knock, to go to him. You got so many promises. Your words, your prayers, they matter. They matter so much. Why? Because you are his, you are his child and everything he has is yours. Access those resources that he has freely given to you. Extraordinary prayer flows from intimacy and identity. Hmm. So one last thing that I'll, I'll point out in this whole story of Jesus in the, in the desert going through temptation. Verse 14 is very interesting in Luke chapter four. So Jesus goes back into civilization, says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Something happened when he was in the desert, going through the temptation. He went into that time full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. He came out of it in the power of the Spirit. When you're going to walk through stuff, and as you trust in God and you look to Him, you're going to come out of it stronger. 
As you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to lead you in life and help you through things, you're gonna come out of it stronger. I believe in this season, as we lean into him and we draw near to him and we're, we're praying and we're fasting, some of you, you're still in a tough season. The desert may be now. Don't despise the desert because God's gonna strengthen you and you're gonna come out of it stronger. Jesus came out of it in the power of the Spirit. And I pray that you don't just live life full of Spirit and led by the Spirit, but I pray you walk in the power of the Spirit. And that happens as you go through stuff. It doesn't happen through an easy life. <laughs> you gotta go through something to get stronger. So it's Jesus saying, I'm, I'm with you, I got you. And on the other side, I'm gonna make you stronger. You're gonna walk in the power of the Spirit. Because it's not our strength, it's His. It's what He does in us, amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet. <laughs> There's so much more I wanna say, but let's let God say it. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.